0: C. diff, spores, and more is brought to you by Clorox Healthcare, trusted solutions for your infection prevention needs. Visit us on the web at cloroxhealthcare.com. Welcome to C-Diff Spores and More with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C-Diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now,
1: here's your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome to the program, and we welcome our global listeners joining us today. I'm Kevin Hirsch, and I'm your host for today. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Please visit the Clorox Healthcare website to learn more about their products keeping environments safer. CloroxHealthcare.com forward slash Radio. Today, we'll be discussing reducing surgical site infection risk with our guests, Jonathan Coe and Sue Barnes. Jonathan will be joining us later in segment three. Uh, Wait till you hear from Jonathan. He is an inventor. He's a leader in his field. He's an amazing individual. Sue is going to be starting off our discussion. And to introduce Sue Barnes, Sue is now working as an independent clinical consultant after retiring in October 2016 as a national program leader for infection prevention and control for Kaiser's Permanente's eight regions, thirty-eight hospitals, and six hundred and thirty medical offices, she's board-certified in infection control and prevention. So, we're going to be talking about reducing surgical site risk infection. Um, Sue, um, can we talk about wound edge contamination and surgical infection risk, please? Yes.
2: Thanks, Kevin, and thanks to the C Diff Foundation for inviting us to participate on your show today. I think our topic will be of interest to your audience, that being how surgical wound edge contamination can increase post-operative infection risk and what we can do to reduce that risk. And while we will be referring primarily to hospital operating rooms, the information is important for ambulatory or outpatient surgical centers as well since, as we know, uh, there's increasing numbers of complex surgical procedures being performed in ambulatory surgery centers. Experts estimate that up to 60% of all surgical site infections are preventable. And as we get closer to achieving zero preventable surgical infections, we're expanding our infection prevention bundles to include areas of risk not previously considered or at least not with great focus and one of these areas of risk is wound edge contamination.
1: Now when we talk about wound edge contamination, what type of surgical procedures are at greatest risk of surgical infection too?
2: Well, colorectal surgery patients suffer a disproportionate number of surgical site infections or SSI compared to other types of surgical procedures. So the average rate of all SSI in the United States is 2%. That's still a lot of patients. That's about 300,000 infected patients each Mm. year in this country. However, despite the best efforts of surgical teams, the SSI rate or surgical site infection rate after colorectal procedures is much greater than that it's between 15 to 30 percent on average. And one contributing factor is that entry into the colon, whether it's planned or unplanned, often results in contamination of the abdominal cavity and the wound edges, and that increases the risk of surgical infection. In addition, there's a lack of standardization of infection prevention processes, and and that can add to the
1: infection risk as well. Wow. And um, what what is the impact of this type of infection on the health system, uh, Sue?
2: You know, the average excess cost of colorectal SSI is estimated to be more than $17,000 per case. Uh, in addition, these infections require a longer length of hospital stay. And have a higher mortality risk. In one study of more than 500 patients, superficial surgical infection after colorectal surgery was associated with a 71% increase in the length of hospital stay. These infections can also result in increased readmission rates with associated secondary hospital stays. In another study of more than 10,000 colorectal surgery patients, the 30-day readmission rate was 11% and the 90-day readmission rate was 23%. And not as easily quantifiable is the patient suffering and family impact resulting from, you know, the post-operative surgical infection.
1: You know, that is a really good point about the patient suffering and the family impact. Can Sue, can you share a little bit about what the impact of this type of infection is on the patient and the family?
2: Yes, absolutely. You know, I don't I don't think we focus enough on mm. the personal impact of infection on the patient and the family. Healthcare facilities are required these days to be so focused on regulatory requirements for reporting infections and the associated non-reimbursements, but, but those are impersonal numbers and dollars. Yeah. Studies have shown intangible costs of surgical infections include pain, feelings of hopelessness, anxiety and depressions, depression, and also patient embarrassment and guilt. And of course, there can be significant loss of earnings for the patient as well as the caregiver in the family during the patient's recovery.
1: Can you, Sue, explain a little bit about wound edge contamination and infection risk, please? Sure.
2: Wound edge contamination is the primary predisposing factor for superficial and deep colorectal surgical infection, which is further amplified by the virulence of the contaminating microorganisms and any compromise of the patient's host defenses. The greater number of contaminating bacteria on the wound edges, the greater the probability of infection. In open uh, robotic, lap assisted uh, and completely laparoscopic abdominal procedures, bacteria can easily be transferred to the wound edges from the abdominal cavity. Consequently, gram negatives and anaerobes are reported as the most common pathogens causing colorectal surgical site infection. There is, of course, an additional much smaller risk from gram-positive organisms such as Staph aureus that can be introduced from the patient's skin that could remain after the skin crept or could be contributed from the surgical team. So, the three predisposing factors for surgical infection after colorectal surgery are, one, entry into the colon, which can result in contamination of the abdominal cavity and wound edges, two, the variability in approaches to surgical infection prevention, so lack of standardization. And number three, restricting surgical infection prevention measures to only those supported by perfectly designed, randomized, controlled trials, despite falling short of the goal of zero preventable infections. In the past decade, surgical infection prevention efforts have been focused on improving compliance with evidence-based practices. So those with really perfect evidence proving efficacy, such as those from the surgical care improvement projects. Studies have demonstrated that improved outcomes can be achieved by applying these practices in a systematic or standardized approach, also called a bundle. Mm-hmm. However, despite all those efforts to date, the SSI rate for colorectal cases, as I mentioned, remains high, consequently it's important to consider enhancing bundles to include new elements for high-risk procedures, at least, like
1: colorectal. What are the primary sources of the contaminants of the wound edge during surgical procedures, Sue?
2: Well, first, the patient's skin. So that can be the result of incomplete skin preparation with an antiseptic. Uh, It can be the result of The prophylactic antibiotic being below the effective level, it can be the result of transferring the bacteria during the case to the wound edges from the abdominal cavity. Mm -hmm. But sources can also include the surgical team, for instance, from skin cells, hair, and respiratory aerosols that escape from the gowns, from under the gowns, from Uh, The sleeves of the gowns, from around the edges of the mask, from incomplete head cover. Uh, Also through breaks in um, in the gloves, so glove perforation or glove failure can introduce bacteria from the hand into the wound. Also from the environment, so contaminated instruments or surfaces or solutions or air, contaminated air.
1: You know, with about a minute left in our segment, can you describe what a typical SSI prevention bundle is comprised of um, uh, for colorectal procedures?
2: Sure. Uh, generally, it would include appropriate surgical site skin preparation. So the um, not only the skin crop solution, the antiseptic applied right before the incision, but but before that, so preoperative antiseptic showering or bathing by the by the patient, uh, the skin prep and the preop bathing reduce the levels of bacteria on the skin that could be introduced at the time of the incision. Then, of course, the intravenous preoperative antibiotics administered within an hour of surgical procedures, um, ensuring the patient's blood glucose level is normal. That's also important to fight off invading mm. bacteria. Right. Uh, for many colon procedures, a mechanical bowel cleansing is also ordered in conjunction with oral antibiotics to wow. further reduce the bacteria level and intraoperative irrigation of the wound during the case. Wound edge protectors are also used to, to reduce wound edge contamination during the, the surgical right. case. So there are many measures recommended.
1: Wow, that, that is so informative. And Sue, I want to thank you for sharing this information with our global listeners. We're, we're going to pause for a commercial break. And when we return, we'll continue discussing reducing surgical site infection risk with Sue Barnes and Jonathan Coe. Stay tuned, and we will return after these messages from our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare. <music>
3: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. The C. diff Foundation offers global community support sessions. C. diff can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety. Get answers to your questions. You're not alone. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. To register for a session, call the C. diff foundation at 919-201-1512 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom, entered and exited a patient's room, visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand-washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN.
1: Welcome back to the program. I am your guest host, Kevin Hirsch, and I'm here with Sue Barnes and Jonathan Coe, and we're going to continue discussing reducing surgical site infection risk. And I'll say that if you're just chiming in now and you missed the first segment, you'll want to catch the rewind because it is very informative today. And so, Sue, uh, the next question I have for you, if you please. You mentioned that the wound protectors are included in SSI prevention bundles. Can you explain what they are, please?
2: Yes. Uh, First, I think it's important to mention that the most common pathogens causing postoperative surgical infection in abdominal surgical patients originate on the skin and the gastrointestinal or GI tract. So, this implies that adequate protection of the surgical site by wound edge protectors might reduce the rate of postoperative surgical infection conventional surgical drapes were first introduced to reduce that, to reduce the wound edge contamination, and they're still commonly used by surgeons to limit the aseptic surgical area and to cover the freshly made wound edges. However, this non-fixed barrier can become dislodged and permit contamination of the surgical wound during a case. Consequently, in the 1960s, Surgical wound edge protectors were introduced in response to the insufficient prevention provided by surgical drapes. The wound protectors isolate and protect wound edges from bacterial contamination from the abdominal cavity during the surgical case and are also believed to better preserve the temperature and humidity of the surgical wound edges. There are different devices available, but they all fall into two main categories. One, devices with a single semi-rigid plastic ring placed into the abdominal cavity after the incision is made with an impervious strength attached, which comes out of the abdomen to protect the incisional edges. That's a single ring device. And second, devices with two semi-rigid plastic rings connected by an impervious grid. The devices can facilitate the retraction of the incision during surgeries without the need for additional mechanical retractors, and they're intended to minimize wound edge contamination during abdominal surgical procedures, including contamination from outside and inside. Studies have reported that these devices not only reduce wound-edge contamination, but also surgical infection during abdominal surgical procedures, including colorectal. Multiple peer-reviewed prevention, surgical infection prevention guidelines now endorse wound-edge protectors as part of bundles for SSI risk reduction.
1: Are there best practices related to the use of wound edge protectors, Sue?
2: Well, some studies indicate that the surgical infection rate with single-ring wound protector devices have been reported to be as much as twice the rate compared to when a double-ring device was used. Regardless of design, if the wound edge protector is not inserted or removed correctly, injury, and wound edge contamination can result. And there's now an innovative protector called Clean Incision that incorporates irrigation in a wound protector. John will talk more about that a little later. Published peer-reviewed studies conclude that wound edge protectors are most effective for contaminated abdominal surgical cases. The infection prevention effects are less likely to be seen on clean contaminated incisions which are already at low infection risk or on dirty incisions soiled before the wound protector application. So in my opinion, best practices would include use of wound protectors for at a minimum all contaminated abdominal surgeries and use of the innovative wound edge protector that John will talk about as well as when using regular wound protectors, using one with a double-ring design, and also, of course, ensuring comprehensive product use instruction for surgeons so that they use them correctly.
1: Now, are there any downsides to the use of wound edge protectors, Um,
2: Sue? When a surgical incision is made, bacteria are released from the stratified layer of epithelium including hair follicles and their associated sebaceous glands, onto the wound edges. When the standard single or double-ringed wound protector is inserted after incision, it then essentially traps any of those bacteria that might be present on the wound edges, which can then potentially proliferate during the surgical procedure. Unless there's irrigation of the wound edges after removal of the wound protector at the end of the case, This can increase the risk of post-operative surgical infection. Also, the wound edges when contained by a wound protector can lose moisture, which can increase the risk of infection as well. There's also a risk of wound edge injury and contamination if the wound protector is not inserted and removed correctly. And of course, there's cost associated with any additional product.
1: Now, is there a standard approach to selection and use of wound edge protectors for abdominal procedures, Sue?
2: Well, multiple recently published surgical infection prevention guidelines have concluded that there is SSI benefit with the use of wound edge protectors during abdominal surgical procedures such as colorectal, and those guidelines include those from the American College of Surgeons, the Society for Healthcare Epidemiologists of America, the World Health Organization, and the Wisconsin Public Health Department. However, no guidance is offered in any of those documents for selection and use of wound protectors. As I mentioned, some studies recommend double ringed wound edge protectors over single ringed, but there's nothing else in the way of guidance regarding selection and use of the protectors.
1: You know, Sue, I I hope that our listeners are taking notes because this is very informative. And, And I have some more questions for you, if it's okay. You mentioned before that surgical wound irrigation can reduce wound edge contamination. Is that right?
2: Yes, that's right. Irrigation of wound edges and the abdominal cavity is done to remove contaminants, dead or damaged tissue, and wound exudate. As such, it's been suggested to be useful in reducing wound edge contamination and uh, and the associated infection risk. Unfortunately, among the most recent peer-reviewed surgical infection prevention guidelines, there's no consensus on the topic of surgical irrigation. Some guidelines comment that there is insufficient evidence to make a recommendation while other guidelines suggest considering the use of irrigation of the wound before closure with sterile saline. Some recommend an aqueous povidone iodine solution or aqueous chlorhexidine .05% chlorhexidine solution. As a result, we see great variability with regard to three primary irrigation variables, the delivery method, the volume, the solution additive. For instance, in some studies, uh, pulsatile irrigation is recommended as best for removing debris and contaminants, while others suggest that this can actually lead to tissue damage. There's also variability regarding timing of irrigation. While it is commonly provided throughout the surgical procedure, when antiseptics or antibiotics are added, to remove any contaminants introduced during the procedure, this often is administered just prior to closing the incision. And some surgeons will irrigate even after closing, closing the incision. So it's important to evaluate different irrigation methods individually as opposed to all methods as a group. Uh, as some likely show benefit more than others, uh, the analogy is that of the double ring bridge protector showing greater benefit than the single ring
1: counterpart. Even though there are no guidelines, are there any best practices relative to surgical irrigation?
2: Well, my understanding of the studies that do exist, and in speaking with surgical colleagues, one best practice would be use of sterile normal saline throughout any abdominal surgical case for irrigation of the abdominal cavity for improving visibility and to remove contaminants and debris. And then at the end of the colorectal surgery case, prior to closure, but after removal of the regular wound edge protector, adding an antiseptic irrigation solution to both the abdominal cavity and the wound edges with a one-minute pause after application. And that would be to eliminate any remaining contaminants with the antiseptic prior to closing. For instance, 0.05% chlorhexidine or dilute betadine. But this, of course, would need to be followed by rinsing with sterile saline as the final step. Uh, We know that a surgical infection almost always occurs as the result of contamination of the wound edges during the period between the operative incision and the closure of the incision. And we know that there have been many measures put in place to reduce this contamination, including wound edge protectors and surgical irrigation. However, in spite of these measures, surgical infections after colorectal cases remain higher than other types of surgery. And given those facts, I think it's critical Consider innovations to improve the elimination
1: of wound edge contamination. You know, Sue, I, I, I love how you just finished up what you were talking about, about how it's critical to consider innovations to improve the elimination of wound edge contamination. That is so important. And we're about to, to break um, for our commercial and um, as I said, that uh, Jonathan Coe is going to join us in segment three. Wait to hear this, gentleman. You're going to be inspired. You're going to love what he has to say, Um, and for right now, let's go ahead and break. Hang on. This is going to be a great show today, and if you didn't catch the first two segments, catch the rewind. All right. So thank you, Sue, for these key points. We're going to pause for our commercial break. When we return, we will be discussing reducing surgical site infection risk with Sue Barnes and Jonathan Coe. So stay tuned and we will return after these messages from Clorox Healthcare.
3: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: To help support the CDF Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free one 844 4 c That's 1-844-367-2343.
1: Welcome back to the program. I'm Kevin Hirsch, and it's a pleasure to reintroduce our guests, Sue Barnes and Jonathan Coe, here to discuss reducing surgical site infection risk. Now, we're in segment three, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I noted that Jonathan Coe will be joining us in this segment. And to introduce Jonathan Coe, Jonathan has more than a decade of experience in the medical device industry. He is both an inventor and a leader. Uh, before co-founding Prescient Surgical, a Stanford Biodesign Innovation Fellow, Jonathan held a range of roles in engineering, marketing, and leadership in the Surgical Instrument Division of Johnson and & Johnson and & Covidian. He is an inventor on 25 issued patents and successfully launched four major, pro- major products Excuse me, in Bariatric, General, and Natural Orifice Surgery and Surgical Oncology. Well, Jonathan, it is a pleasure to have you today, sir. Thank you, Kevin. Glad to be here. Oh, this is exciting today. Um, So we're going to keep talking a little bit, and we're going to talk about innovative wound protector solution to augment SSI prevention. So my first question for you, sir, is would you please tell us about prescient surgical and clean scission? Sure.
4: So our company, Threscent Surgical, was conceived at the Stanford Byers Center for Biodesign and then accelerated at Stanford Start X Med, and then later on the Fogarty Institute for Innovation. And through very extensive research and work with hospitals and even patients, we realized that while new surgical techniques had transformed many areas of surgical practice, there had been little innovation in tools for perioperative infection prevention. So, we knew it would take the talents of a multidisciplinary team to tackle the very complicated problem of surgical site infections. Um, So, our team and board of advisors includes experts across surgery, infection prevention. You know, Sue has been quite involved with us over the years and medical technology development and commercialization. Um, So, our first area of focus is abdominal surgery with with a strong emphasis on colorectal surgery where really anywhere where the risk, frequency, and severity of, of surgical site infections is high and the need is very acute. Um, and the reality is nearly 50% of abdominal incisions are contaminated during surgery. And from our research, we learned that existing prevention approaches, particularly wound protection devices, didn't do enough to, prevent, uh, to protect patients from this harmful contamination. So just as a quick example... You know, many incisions are actually contaminated at the beginning of the surgery, and passive wound protectors really only serve to trap bacteria in the incision. And in addition, with so much research demonstrating the benefits of intraoperative irrigation, wound protectors effectively innately prevent the adoption of this practice owing to the simple fact that the incision is covered throughout the duration of the surgery. So basically, you know, we went out trying to combine those two pieces together, and our team collaborated closely with some of the leading hospitals in abdominal surgery to create clean scission, a product which could be used in a full range of open and minimally invasive approaches that they use uh, in these surgical procedures.
1: You know, uh, before we got on this show, I did my some due diligence here and checked out your site, and I looked at clean scission, and it's... Mm-hmm fascinating to me so what is clean scission and can you describe the product to our our global listeners please
4: well that's great kevin i'm really glad that you took a look at the product and i think one of the things i like to tell our customers is that it's really you know, its power is in its simplicity and you know the the powerful results that come from that and in you know as such, CleanCision is a first-in-class advanced irrigating wound protection system, and that's really the key differentiator is the irrigation, where it combines the irrigation uh, with wound protection and also uh, contamination removal via suction. So it's used during surgery to continuously irrigate, clear, and dissolve harmful bacteria that may invade the incision during surgery. Uh, it's now approved for abdominal surgery, which I... I mentioned earlier has the highest risk of infection. And it's been shown to, you know, not only across the board reduce contamination, but reverse pre-existing contamination, remove interoperative contamination that occurs during the procedure. And even after a clean incision is gone and the incision is closed, we have data that shows clean incision suppresses bacterial proliferation after the incision is closed. So in a clinical study, uh clean scission was shown to reduce contamination by about two-thirds. And ultimately uh, that demonstrated a reduction in surgical site infection risk of about
1: 61%. Now, how does clean scission work, please? So clean scission
4: has a what we call a microfluidic membrane, and it's connected to a surgeon-selected fluid source, and then wall suction, a very simple suction canister. So What it does is deliver an active cleansing therapy to the wound, which consistently and continuously cleanses and removes contamination from the incision. So by removing contamination, the incision helps eliminate what we call the root cause of infection. And unlike traditional wound protectors, which cannot provide that continuous clearance, clean incision has been shown to reverse and reduce these pervasive sources of infection. Clearing harmful bacteria throughout surgery when the threat of wound contamination is at its highest. And as a result of having been developed with input from surgeons and infection prevention experts, really it seamlessly integrates into their current surgical workflow. So at the end of the day, it's intuitive, easy to use, it deploys quickly, and basically you get this powerful infection-fighting therapy while the surgeons are focusing on the surgical field and their operation.
1: Absolutely fascinating. Oh, gosh. Um, have there been any studies using clean scission that have been published? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Yes. Yeah. So to date, there have been four published studies in peer-reviewed surgical journals. I'll tell you, we're we not stopping there. We're continuing to invest in clinical evidence. Um, you know, the first published in 2017 really validated the mechanism of action, right? How and why clean scission works. Our first clinical study was published in 2018, now is a prospective multicenter pilot study in about eighty-six patients undergoing colorectal resections. Now I won't go through the details of that, but basically through a, through one of the most comp, uh, comprehensive bacteriology studies done in surgery, we demonstrated a sixty-six percent per, reduction in overall bacterial contamination, and perhaps more importantly, a seventy-one percent reduction in enteric bacterial contamination. And oftentimes in colorectal procedures. Procedures, it's enteric bacteria that are causing the infections. In addition, you know, we found these incredibly r- low rates of incisional SSI in that study, basically 2.3% uh, in the primary analysis and only 1.2% in those that completed the protocol. So, you know, those are really phenomenal results in an area where we generally expect 10 to 15% infection rates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we followed up on that and published a second study to uh, evaluate the reduction in SSI using clean scission and in the long short in that is um, you know we used we compared those results to the ACS misquip risk calculator in which our patient population was really expected to see an infection rate of about nine and a half percent and with a 3.7 uh, percent infection rate in our study that that's where that 61 percent reduction comes from um, and finally, I think Sue mentioned, you know, the, the point about cost of new technologies and new technology adoption. Um, there was an independent economic study published uh, out of UCSF that demonstrated technologies such as clean vision, in particular clean vision, uh provides an incremental cost effectiveness to the hospital of $2,000 per use. Uh, and that's really driven by the high cost of SSI and clean vision's clinical superiority. So I uh, will say that the device is priced far below that number, uh, and I think it's safe to say that hospitals um, and the healthcare system will be saving money by utilizing cleancision in their procedures.
1: Now, the next big question I have for you are, is, what are surgeons saying about cleancision?
4: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of the most exciting part about the job is, as an inventor and, and, and early-stage company CEO. So our customers are excited about the opportunity to really do something new to help their patients fight SSI. Um, you know, from our earliest days at Stanford, clean incision really resonated with surgeons as a common sense sort of approach to fighting SSI. Um, and then we've we've had the opportunity to have them use the product and get their ongoing feedback, right? Um, so surgeons are pleased with how easy it is to use, particularly the fact that it doesn't change the way they perform their surgeries. Um, and then even beyond our initial focus area of colorectal surgery, we're learning more and more every day about procedures beyond our initial focus areas where clean scission can provide a benefit. So, you know, we're now working with urologists, surgical oncologists, gynecologic oncologists, really all of these areas in abdominal surgery where the risk and the threat of contamination remains high uh, and it's something that clean scission can address. So, Um, it's something that makes a lot of sense to them. We're getting a lot of great feedback from our early adopters. Very simple. It's easy to grasp. And I think we're starting to see how this is spreading by word of mouth in many areas. And our little community of surgical site infection fighters is growing quite rapidly.
1: Well, you know, and now that the surgeons are embracing it, uh, and with only a couple of minutes left, can you share the names of some of the hospitals where clean scission is currently being used, Joe?
4: Oh, yeah, of course. Um, You know, I think we started out here on the West Coast for the most part. Um, Let me think, uh, Cedar sinai UCSF, Stanford, uh, we've expanded out to the Cleveland Clinic, Baylor, Scott & White. Like I mentioned uh, on our pre-call, the University of Pennsylvania, um, you know, really anywhere where we're getting our sales representatives on the ground and telling that story, it's really resonating. Um, and I think, you know, having you know, on this call really reflects the resonance we're having with infection control experts. You know, we talked about the surgeons, uh, but I think some of my favorite call points are, you know, going into that infection control office and asking them, you know, where do you see the high the, the highest unmet need for solving surgical site infection in your institution?
1: that's wow uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just loving this whole interview with you guys this is this is incredible look we just have about a, a minute or two left here um, does clean scission come in different sizes for different types of surgical procedures Jonathan
4: yeah so right now we have a small and medium size and we're continually working to expand our coverage into other uh, other sizes um, other configurations to meet uh, the, the broader unmet need there Um You know, I'll I'll give you a real quick example. We're hearing loud voices from our acute care and trauma surgeons who continue to advocate for even larger sizes, uh, given the high risk nature of their procedures. Um, And we're also hearing that in the the morbidly obese patients. You know, we're thinking about uh, developing some bariatric versions as well. Uh, So it's really great to have that pull from the marketplace and that that interaction and and co innovation, if you will, with your customers
1: that wow okay you know what this is and i hope everybody's taking notes out there and i've said i'm going to say it for the third time if you haven't caught this show please catch the rewind because sue barnes and jonathan co are being very informative today and i want to thank you right before we break to a commercial um we're going to pause for um for our commercial break from clorox Healthcare. so thank you very much and we'll be back to you shortly (music)
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. The C. diff Foundation offers global community support sessions. C. diff can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety. Get answers to your questions. You're not alone. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. To register for a session, call the C. diff foundation at 919-201-1512 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. Have you done any of these things today? exited a restroom, entered and exited a patient's room, visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Handwashing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing You are listening to C. diff Spores and More. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our
1: program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to the closing segment of our program, and we thank our listeners for joining us today. I'm Kevin Hirsch, your host for today, and it is a pleasure to once again and for the last time introduce our guests, Jonathan Coe and Sue Barnes. Here Um, to discuss reducing surgical site infection risk. So welcome back to the program, Jonathan and Sue. Um, Before we close the program today, Sue, what are your concluding thoughts?
2: Thank the CDF foundation for the opportunity to share information today. And I'd like to end really by sharing my general approach to infection prevention. Which is until we've achieved sustained, zero-preventable surgical infections, we should continue to be early adopters of innovative technologies such as clean fission, which supports our efforts to reduce patient infection risk. So thank- thanks very much, Kevin.
1: You know, and Sue, so I'm going to, I'm just going to add this in that whenever you're on the show, you're always, always, always giving our listeners some value each time you're here. So thank you very much for everything that you do, Sue. Thank you so much. And um, Jonathan,
4: pleasure.
1: oh, it's it's my pleasure to be here with you. Jonathan, what what can you leave with yeah. our global listeners?
4: Well, first of all, um, you know, I'm thrilled to be here and I want to thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to highlight our company and Clean Cision. Um, for listeners that want to learn more, uh, they just need to head on over to www.prescienceurgical.com. Um, there's a wealth of uh, information there, and, and we'd be happy to talk to you know, patients, hospitals, surgeons, infection control experts who are uh, interested in seeing how they can get to Sue's goal of zero. Um, you know, I think we were very lucky to meet leaders like Sue early on in our journey, um, introducing us to this great community of patient safety advocates. And you know, this this, C- this CDEF conversation um, is certainly an important part to that as well as surgical site infection is. And I really couldn't agree more with Sue. Right, until we reach zero preventable hospital acquired infections, we still got some work to do. Um, you know, and I think the the awareness that shows like this provide. Um, I think when we're out in the community, when we're out talking to hospitals and surgeons, um, it's often surprising how unaware of the infection risks they are. Uh, Many think that they're much lower than they are in reality. And there's also uh, some degree of complacency uh, that doesn't quite match up with the mission that Sue and I have laid out, right? Really, if it's preventable, zero is the number. Um, And I think we just need to keep hammering home that point to make sure that uh, the focus and healthcare investments are going into the right place.
1: Jonathan, um, when I'm looking at your site, that's prescientsurgical.com. That's P-R-E-S-C-I-E-N-T, surgical.com. That's right. Can you you add any additional value to our listeners from uh, one of the white papers that you have on your site?
4: yeah the white paper is actually a good wonderful resource that we uh, developed in um, in close collaboration with sue. and the concept there is really to drive it away from being a pure product marketing effort and really help hospitals and our customers understand what are some of the best practice approaches to preventing surgical site infection and then, in, effectively, and in what instances and for particular cases can clean scission augment that. Um, and I would encourage everyone to go to the website, download that white paper, um, you know, disseminate it widely, because even if you're not a clean scission user, you're going to learn a lot about the pathophysiology of surgical site infection, and we hope that that will enable our customers and, and, and institutions across the, the country learn how to decrease their patient's risk.
1: And not, not only is that on your site, there's also the clean scission video, a product brochure. It, it goes on. This is a very deep site that you have here.
4: Yeah, uh, we're, we're educators, I think, at the core. And, um, you know, I think an educated customer is the best kind of customer. And it really helps us foster the conversation. So I hope everyone checks out the website and, and is educated and learns. And then we'd love to, we'd love to continue the conversation from there.
1: Now, you, know, you invented clean scission, is that correct?
4: Yeah, way back in 2012, uh, there was a team of four of us that were on the initial patent.
1: A team of four of you. And, and what was the inspiration for the invention process? We have about four minutes until we close.
4: Sure, sure. Yeah, I think, well, you know, there's a process to invention as it's taught at Stanford Biodesign. And, and the inspiration comes from the unmet need. Um, so, we spent a lot of time in the operating room, and, you know, I think we all distinctly remember seeing a kidney transplant in a in an immunocompromised patient. And the quote from the surgeon was effectively that, you know, shoot, this patient's going to get a surgical site infection. Um and so, that really honed us in on the end of that need is, like, if you know the risk is there and you know generally why the, you know, why the infection would develop, why weren't there tools or why weren't there approaches to help that particular surgeon, you know, prevent that outcome for that patient? Um, you know, and then we really dove deep into the research. And, and I think as we alluded to on this call, there are a number of practices and there's a lot of research in this space. And it was about really trying to combine the right elements of best infection control practices into, you know, a, system, a systematically implemented invention that would kind of hit into all the key points of infection prevention. Uh, so, again, it's really inspired by the unmet need and then informed by the research, right? So we're standing on, on the, the shoulders of giants as they speak uh, to leverage, the next, leverage that into the next generation of innovation.
1: Now, the study started out in California where you are, or they, did they start somewhere else in the States?
4: Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. The studies or the
1: the company? Oh, were you where? you began? Excuse me for um, for not being clear. Um, when you started working on this on, on um, clean scission, was it in California or is it somewhere else, or was it at a hospital?
4: Oh yeah, Tell- yeah. We're California. Pressing Surgical is California, born and raised, uh, and we're we're fortunate to still be here. Um, of course, most of us are on a plane these days. Uh, hitting up all of our various hospital sites that are starting to adopt clean incision around the country.
1: And and is it growing at a rapid pace or are our listeners hoping to see it at their hospital or can they start asking their surgeon for it?
4: They certainly can. Yeah. And I think the key, the key for us as a, as a small startup company is try to keep up with the demand um, and grow at a, at a, at a pace that enables us to support our customer success. Um, so when I mentioned the, uh, the data, You know, we continue to invest in our customer success, and that means training them to help them implement this as a standard of care uh, in their bundles, but also um, record the data, right? Work with the infection control professionals at, at each hospital to really demonstrate to the surgeons, to the infection control groups, to administrators, how their investment is resulting in better patient care. So we're cautious to grow... You know, obviously, there's always pressures for a business to grow quickly, um, but I think the long-term success of the business is going to be tied to our customer's success, and we want to grow at the appropriate pace so that we can in- ensure we're supporting uh, their success as we move forward.
1: And, and you see, that's what I love about your site and that's and, and the video, the brochure, the white paper, an educated mm-hmm. cons- is the best consumer. And, you know, although surgeons are using it, it's really for all of our safety. And it's something that we can point our professionals to, to um, say that this is what I'd like to use. And look, besides, it's going to save your hospital some money. And it's going to do well for all of us. Well, I can't, I can't thank you enough, um, Sue and Jonathan, for your time today. I'm going to start closing up the show, and um, at this time, the members of the C. diff Foundation wish to acknowledge all the organizations around the world dedicated to improving health, uh, the organizations and professionals researching and developing new products, protecting the gut microbiome, and those who are addressing environmental safety worldwide. Take a minute to visit the clinical trials in progress page located on the C. diff foundation website, please. That's cdifffoundation.org to learn more about clinical trials available at this time, addressing C. difficile infection prevention and treatments on how you and your loved ones may be able to participate in clinical Studies today. Really important, those clinical studies. Please help them to help you to help others. And save the date. Join us on September, uh, I'm sorry, join us on Saturday, May 18th. That's this month, beginning at 8 a.m. to noon at the third annual Global C. diff Awareness 2K Walks. Spoiler alert, fun coach Kevin, that's me and your host today, will be there at the Teaneck, New Jersey Walk at the Milton A. Vody. Park. I hope to see you there too. Um, the walk is also held in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, Charlestown Township Park, and the Newport Ritchie, Florida at Sims Park. And on May 17th, Professor Martha Clokey leads the walk in Leicester, England. We thank Valdenta Biosciences for being the diamond sponsor for the annual event. Um, May is National Walking Month and the perfect time for the annual Global C. diff Awareness Walks. We look forward to taking a walk in the park with you on May 17th and 18th. Thank you for your support. And again, wow, what a busy year this is. Mark your calendar for November 6th and 7th to join us at the 7th Annual International C. diff Conference and Health Expo taking place at Doubletree St. Louis Westport property. We thank Pfizer for being the diamond sponsor for the annual conference. We greatly acknowledge the international keynote speaker sharing up to date data during this incredibly informative two day conference with C diff community industry leaders who are exhibiting sponsors of this amazing educational event to learn more about the conference guest speakers, sponsors, and to register Early bird registration is available June 1st. Visit the C. diff foundation website, cdifffoundation.org. Sending out our get well wishes to those being treated for a C. diff infection, recurrent C. diff infections, and all wellness draining illnesses worldwide. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. So thank you for joining us today. Have a healthy week. We wish you good health and a good day.